Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Uh, happy Memorial Day. We are continuing uh, in the book of Colossians, and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's cool to change it up from every once in a while. You know, we go chapter by chapter, and usually we kind of, um, sometimes, we have to squeeze a lot in. You know, like, it's, there's a lot of stuff, and we're, we're trying to do a chapter a week, and, and it's just nice to change it up and go a little slower, and it presents certain opportunities, certain Sundays, where, hey, we're going to talk about six verses today, and, you know, they're great, but, hey, maybe you got some grilling to do, and maybe we'll try to get you out of here a little sooner. So, uh, but before we get into it, let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for this day. We thank you for Sunday. How amazing is it just to be able to come and worship and learn and fellowship and just have like this great reset, this great close to the week and a great start to the next. Um, Just thank you, God, for this church family that you've blessed me with, God. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. So uh, we're going to get right into it today. Um, You ready? Hold up. Are you ready for some sweet verse right here? Okay, Colossians 4, 1 through 6. Sunday morning, masters, treat your bond service justly and fairly. Can we, uh, hello, Sunday morning. Was that coffee wake-up call for you? Why in the world is Paul starting off so aggressively? When he wrote chapter 4 and he put verse 1, why is he starting off so aggressively? Well, he didn't, right? Uh, if you, in case you didn't know, the uh, Bible wasn't written like that, right? Those big chapters, those big numbers in your Bible weren't there. Those little numbers that we call verses weren't there. It was just one long letter, right? And, and um, we, we look at this, and, and I do it, you do it, every church does it. They open up their Bible, it's Sunday morning, and they start reading. And they say, wow, uh, holy cow, this is an intense thing to start off a statement with. Well, he's continuing. Remember last week, he's continuing from last week. He started off talking about husbands and wives and fathers, and he even ended last chapter talking about these bond servants already. So we, we, we kind of open up the Bible and say, wow, that's a really intense thing to start off. What, what are you going with? Well, it's just a continuation of what he's been talking about, these roles of the family, right? The father, the mother, the kids, the husband, the wife, all these things. And then he gets the bond servants. So this is not something super aggressive that we need to talk about. It's, it's something that's totally uh, appropriate for where we are in Paul's letter. Secondly, uh, why it's not crazy aggressive is it's a bond servant right we put a lot of our own baggage into the scriptures knowingly or not a lot of the times we open a bible start reading and we say i'm going to put my own opinions and my own knowledge and my own understanding into the scriptures a lot of the times it actually helps us it helps us understand what's going on it puts us into the story and and that's what i like about like kids ministry and student ministry, they're great at inserting themselves into the Bible. How would I feel if I was in this story? Something as adults, we're terrible at, right? Like, how would I feel if I was at the cross? If I was, you know, at this place, how would I feel? What would I do? How would I would react, right? That's great for kids. For us, not necessarily so, right? So we read that word bondservant and we replace it with slave. And then, oh, it got serious, right? I said the S word, and it's like, whew, tough. 
right? Not necessarily so. The roles of a bondservant and a slave, very different, right? Slaves, we don't need to talk about it. You have to do it. You're, you're stuck there. You're not free. You don't have freedom. Bondservants, very different, right? They paid off the debt, right? If, if they're in slavery because they paid off the debt, they paid it off. They're free to go. They can walk out the door, right? They have chosen to stay, though. They've said, I like this family. These people that I'm working with, that I'm serving with, that I'm working for, and I like it. It's really nice to, to be in this situation. So instead of going out into the world trying to get a job and working out and not necessarily doing well, I'm going to stay here. And, 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 they, and it was a very like symbolic relationship because the, the person who was a bondservant now got a giant piercing and, and it was a symbol that says, hey, I'm now a part of this. I want to stay here. This isn't something that I was forced to do. This isn't something that like, hey, I took out a loan and I couldn't pay it back. Now I have to, for- I'm forced to work for these people for 10 years or whatever. It's something that's working out. So this is something kind of beautiful that, hey, this is a good and healthy relationship, Right? So let's keep going. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Um, I think this is always interesting because uh, you read the Bible, and a lot of the times we need to be convinced, right? We read stuff and we say, why? We ask those questions, and that's not necessarily bad, right? But uh, I think we assume the why so much within the Bible, Right, we read these things and it says, hey, do good, right? Love others, love your enemy, right? Don't kill people. And we impose this why into it. And it's usually, at least for me, it might be differently for you, but usually when I impose that why, it's because it's the right thing to do, right? I just impose it in there and I say, well, of course, you should feel just and fair and you should act accordingly because it's the right thing to do. No, the Bible tells us why right here. Because knowing that you also have a master in heaven, why do we love people? It's not because it's the right thing to do. It's because guess what? Someone has already loved you way more. Why do we forgive people? Of course it's the right thing to do, but why is a Christian different than anyone else out there? Because everyone else is saying the same thing. Oh, it's the right thing that you should forgive people. Don't kill somebody, of course. As Christians, it's because guess what? We, our actions, put a guy on a cross. <sighs> That's crazy. That's what separates all of this from because it's the right thing to do. Is it the right thing to do? Of course, right? Of course, I'm not saying that, but there's so much more weight to it. With this, we, something, we see something uh, very interesting. And uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, right? Uh, one, one of the most prevalent uh, problems today, uh, if it's real or not, or if it's whatever it may, media, whatever it may be, right, is abuse of power, 
you've heard more abuse of power statements this past two years than you've probably ever heard, honestly. I, it's, it's insane how much of the abuse of power talk we've gotten. I don't want to talk about this grand abuse of power, right? I'm not talking about politicians, XY presidents, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I want to talk about the abuse of power that Paul is talking about. The abuse of power at home, right? So much of the time, people abuse their roles at home. I've done it, you've done it, right? And, and the source, the key, I believe, is that when, when your responsibilities become your role, that's when you start abusing power. Let me explain. So, so a father, right? Protect, serve, right? Those are responsibilities. Let's make some generalities. Let's just cut to the chase, right? Protect, serve, right? Protect, uh, protect and, and, and get some money. Provide, maybe. Protect and provide. Let's sum it up easy, right? Those are generally responsibilities. And, and, and if that is your role as the provider and the protector, your job is to get a job and get like a gun or get nunchucks and practice, I guess. And you're just waiting. Your job is over. What's the problem with that? There's so much more to it than to protect and to provide. You walk home from your work saying, I'm done as the father. How do you interact with your kids now that your job is done? Very differently than if you say, my role as a father, one of my many responsibilities is to protect and provide. Then you get home, you interact with your kids very differently. See where I'm coming? Same, same thing as a wife, right? If your chief responsibility, your role as a wife is to childbear. Let's go old school, folks, right? That, that is your one duty, uh, right? Okay, should I leave? No, okay, so uh, if that's your one duty, guess what you just, you had a kid, you're done. Let's have another one in nine, 10 months. Let's take a break, right? If that's your one job, well, how are you gonna react? How are you gonna go treat those kids? How are you gonna treat your husband? Everything is different when you say, oh, my, my role is to birth children. My role is to have a job. My role is to have a gun. It's ridiculous. Those are responsibilities. And when you, when you start off with that, it becomes abuse of power. Saying, this is the one thing I'm doing. Anything you do to break this, it, it, is, it can't happen. You need to get out of my way. I, I need to do this one thing. I can't, I can't look outside the world and say, oh, maybe the, the wife can have a job and maybe the wife can make more than me. And what? Because your, your idea of role is actually a responsibility, right? And that's, that's what's happening here, right? It is, is the idea of, hey, I'm a master. I have this person working under me, right? My, my, my duty, my role is to... to correct my duty my role is to make sure they get the job done what if your duty and your role was to be a good boss 
What does that mean now? Bridging the gap, because we don't have bond servants anymore. Your duty as a boss, your role as a boss, is entirely dependent on making money. What if that was your role? Your one role is to make money. You have conversations with your employees. What are they going to be about? Money. More money. Where does it end? It doesn't. Your employee is having a hard time. There's a million other employees, folks. Get another one. That, that one employee can't, isn't ready. And if your one job is to make money, if that's your role... Get them out of here. Get somebody else. They, they have to perform and they're gone. Abuse of power, right? Personally, I want to open, I, I just want to, you know, I want to state when Rock Bible does something right, I want to like state it because, you know, like I think it's always good to state that kind of stuff. Uh, starting off being a pastor, a preacher is almost impossible. And it's not because there aren't jobs. It's not because there isn't like, oh yeah, we need help in children's ministry or student ministry. Um, what's impossible is this. Being able to come up on a Sunday and preach is near impossible. People fight it to the death, and Scott's just like, take it, get it, you know, like, get it. what Sundays do you want? That's great. And, and if he sat here and said, no, the Sundays are my one role, preaching is my one role, I wouldn't be here. I would never have a shot. I couldn't do it. I need to learn. I need to practice. I need to mess up. I need to say, hey, women's only roles. Right? Like, I need to do all that stuff so I can learn from it, right? Abuse of power. Verse 2, let's keep going. Continue. I spent way too much time on that. I tell people it's going to go fast. And whatever. Okay. Um, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, in, in it with thanksgiving. What, big jump there, right? What is going to bond servants to prayer? Well, Paul, a couple things, but Paul is wrapping this thing up. Paul does it better than anybody, right? The, look up any Paul's letters to any churches and just skip to the end and see where he goes. It's crazy because he's got like 20 ideas and he's like, man, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this. You want a great example? Come next week. Right? It's crazy what we're going to go through next week, right? Good job, Scott, right? Um, so, um, ver, right, that, that, but it's, it continues on to that, right? Uh, number one issue that I see with prayer as a pastor, when people say, I prayed, it didn't happen. What does that mean in your mind? I prayed and it didn't happen. How many times does that person pray? You don't know the situation. You don't know. Probably prayed once. How long was that prayer? I'm making up a situation, folks, and you have already come to some serious conclusions here. How serious? Were, were there other people around? Did they include others? Was this a serious topic that they brought up to this, their small group and said, I need prayer? That's a, that's a problem, is, is, is we all have this understanding that prayer is something that we need to do one time. That we prayed, we let it go, it's gone. Here, God, take it. <laughs> and yeah, but no. 
I have this terrible habit, and I know that you guys have other people in your life too, that you, you know somebody who does this, right? The carefree spirit, right? I gave it to God, right? I, I just, I need to find a new job. I prayed about it. I'm not stressed about it anymore. True. Facts, right? I can't, I can't be like, no, no, you're wrong. You know, you got to stress about that because we're not supposed to stress. But at the same time, maybe God wants us to fight a little bit more with it. Maybe there should be a little bit of a struggle. Maybe the situation should be harder than one five-minute prayer, one 30-second prayer, one one-minute prayer. Maybe this is something that we need to pray about for two days, a week, a month. A year? Inevitably, you know, you're, you're in children's ministry for so long, you know, that parents are going to come and ask you, like, hey, you know, I really want to set my kid up for success, especially in, in like, high school. Because high school notoriously is the age where, like, kids, you know, college more so, but, like, high school is kind of the age where they're, like, making decisions on their own and, or what they woke up and they're just like, I hate my parents, and I will continue to do that for the next four years. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's insane. And and they'll be like, Well, like I've been praying, but like, what do I do? Yeah, that, right? If you aren't praying for your kid, who's gonna? Your child. Who's if you're not praying for your child, who's gonna? If you're not praying for. Ooh, See, that's, that's not obvious, right? If you're not praying for your spouse, who's gonna? If you're not praying for your employees, my servant, who's gonna? We have this responsibility that comes along to it, right? And it's not only that. He says steadfastly in prayer, right? This continuous thing, right? Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Why would you be watchful in thanksgiving? Why? You're praying. You don't know what's going to happen. You do. You're praying to God. Something's going to happen. You pray knowing it's going to fail. How do you pray? How does that prayer look like? Knowing it's going to fail. It's not going to work. You're praying for someone who's got like a big C word, right? And you're just like, it can't work. This isn't going to happen, right? The doctor said it's not going to work. It's, it, she's got six months, whatever to live. How does your prayer look like? Compared to someone who's praying expectantly. Who's saying, yeah, uh, I'm praying to God. <laughs> and uh, who cares what the doctors say? Because uh, God, right? Like, what does your prayer look like then? That every day, this isn't, this isn't something that you have to do every day. That, hey, God, like, I don't want to bug you again. But, like, I want to pray for little Jimmy, you know. I swore in class and, you know. Was... Compare that to man. What is God going to do in Jimmy's life? Two years down the line, four years down the line, 40 years down the line. Because we have no idea. God does. <laughs> Pray expectantly. Uh, verse 3, 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open us a door for the word to declare. What word? Thank you. Okay, good. I'm just testing you guys. 9 a.m., you know. Uh, To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Have you ever been mad at someone and you know you're wrong, but you're just like, I'm mad. I can't do it. It's just me. Okay, well, I'm a terrible person, so let's just all make fun of Brent right now. So, like, you know, like, you're you're mad at, like, a gold grandma because she's making you cookies and they taste too good or whatever. You're mad at Chet because he keeps bringing desserts and you're like, man, stop, right? And you know you're in the wrong, but you just can't help it. Sometimes, a little mad at Paul, right? Because, like, Paul does this thing and it's remarkable. This guy went to jail and now he's talking about um, declaring the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison. Continual. Uh, I would like to think that, hey, um, I, like honestly, I would like to say, I've never been in this situation, but I'd like to say that like, I would stand up for my faith. And like, even if that meant I would go to jail, right? I don't know. Like, I've never been in that situation, but I'm like, probably, right? You know what would happen if I went to jail? I would talk about it. I'd like, look at what God did. Like, look at me. Like, look, like I stood up for my faith. I'm like looking back and I'm saying, wow, God, you are so strong. You kept me safe. I'm in jail, but look at all the stuff you did. Paul has the absolute audacity to look forward. Absolute audacity of this guy. He's saying, oh, look, I'm in jail. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But guess what? We're going to continue this. I want to keep talking. I want to talk with purpose. I want to do things in the future. Pray for me so this doesn't end here and now. And that is so uh, not, well, I guess it's you guys, but it's so not me, right? I look, whenever God does something in the past, great, amazing, I'm always looking back. I'm always saying, wow, God, like, look at Camp Rock. Look at summer camp. Look at winter camp. Look at Mexico, right? I'm stuck back there and like the Grand Canyon is like right in front of me expectantly, not just for the past, not just saying, hey, God, you cured the cold. God, you've done this, you did that, but saying, wow, what else could you do? How amazing is that? Um, I saw this quote and I don't know who it was from, man. It was not me. So just like, you know, when this sermon goes down in the record books of humanity, you know, just know I'm quoting someone. Francis Chan. No, I don't know. I'll look it up. I don't care. I'm not going to look it up. So it was like, it is impossible to over-exaggerate God. How good is it to know that it is impossible to over-exaggerate God? No matter what you say about him, he's bigger. No matter what we talk about, no matter what we say on a Sunday, he's better. We, uh, no matter how amazing and grand your prayer is, he could do more. No matter what you ask for, no matter what you say, no matter what, when you're talking to a non-believer or somebody about how good God is, you will fail. You will sell him short. And that's amazing. Because in every other aspect of life, we have to rerun that cost, you know, rerun the, 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 the cost of the, the danger of overselling, right? 
It's the, uh, in the Gonzalez household, it's the big, fat, big fat Greek wedding, right? It's the, it's, hey, big fat Greek, have you guys seen that movie? Okay, if you went into that movie and I was like, this is the best movie of all time, you're going to react differently than I was like, yeah, it's a funny movie. It's got some Clorox. It's funny. You know what I mean? That, that was a story that happened. It's like, hey, uh, Ashley's dad, people are telling him, this is the greatest movie of all time. And he's like, wow, big fat Greek wedding. I got to go see it, right? I got to go see this movie. And he goes there, obviously a little disappointed, right? Because he's looking for like Star Wars, you know, millions of dollars. And it's like, there's Clorox and a, a, a zit on your, you know, like, okay, you know. Can't do that with God. Can't. It's impossible, right? Um, and that ends my TED Talk on why I'm mad at Paul. So um, verse 5, uh, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's like a cool statement. Your speech is like salt. Sprinkle it over every conversation. It's just a beautiful statement. Well, let the, uh, let the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Uh, lastly, what I want to say on that is, hey, um, I know in life, you got to have those conversations. And, and I'm kind of circling back to this whole abuse of power, right? When you're a boss and, and you have to have hard conversations in life, it's got to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's just got to happen. You are a boss. You, you do have to make money. And eventually, you got to have those talks that are rough, you know? I experienced that when I was in high school, very early on in ministry. I was in high school leading high schoolers right, um, uh, whole another talk, but um, I wanted to separate myself from them, right, uh, the, the pastor at the time was talking, and he's like, you know what, you gotta, you gotta lead with leadership, you, you got you, these can't be your friends, you know what I mean, like, these can't be people that you, like, just hang out with, and, and, and just, like, uh, on the same level, you gotta lead, you gotta, you know, advanced, I get what he was saying, very toxic way of saying it to a kid, right? But, but, but um, what I took it as, okay, I got to have serious talks. I got I to gotta expose myself as a leader. So what I did is I started having these talks. I started saying, hey, man, uh, you know, I just, I want to, you know, love you as a brother, but like you really messed up there, you know, and you shouldn't have done that, and it was just wrong. And next week, guess what? The guy messed up again. Crazy right? It's like he's human. And I called him out. I was like, hey, man, you know, like, uh, you know, I just want to say, like, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said those things. You shouldn't, you know, girls are bad at that stage of life, you know, just don't even talk to them, you know, all that stuff. And I just kept over and over and over again. This crazy thing happened. It was so weird. He started avoiding me. Who would have guessed it? If all of your conversations are hard conversations, get ready to stop having conversations. If, if, if dad or, you know, what, because dads, you can take them. You know what I mean? Like, you can take them. But if, if the only conversations you have with dad are how you messed up, and dad, wait until dad gets home, how is that kid going to feel about dad? 
If that's your only in your only interaction is with dad, is when he's gone at work or comes home, spanks you, says how bad you were. What is that conversation going to look like? What is your relationship with that child going to look like? Bosses, if the only time you take your employee out to lunch is to just chew them out, they're not going to think that the free meal is worth it anymore. They're going to say, I don't want to. I don't want to go to Chili's. I don't like Chili's anymore. You know, it's not a safe place. I, uh, you know, the ribs are oh good, but it's not that good, right? And it stays with them from experience. Up until a year ago, Scott would shoot me a text. And, like, Scott and I, like, our spiritual blessing is, like, food. I don't, I don't know, whatever it is. And we get, like, I don't know. So, like, we, we go out to lunch, and he texts me, hey, let's go out, you know, go to Porky's and all that stuff. And for a second, why? Why is my heart freaking out? Why? I have been trained for years that lunch is bad. You don't want to go to lunch with boss. That sticks with them. So kids go off to college, and then they don't want to come home. I wonder why. Their only interaction with their parents was, hey, little Jimmy swore. And they go off, and they're free. Why would they come back? So um, if if you look in your bulletin, the title... Uh, a little confusing, but hey, I liked it. Whatever. I don't know. Transform to change. This is based. You know, Paul is writing to believers. These are people who know Christ. They they believe, right? God is coming into their life and all that good stuff, right? That's not where it ends. They're not transformed to be like everyone else. They're not transformed to to hide. They're not transformed to to go back to their old ways. They're transformed to change, right? To live a new life. And and that all starts, and this is absolutely number one, and this is most important. If you miss out, just pay attention to this one point. Prepare, prepare, prepare. You'll get it. When I say it, prepare with prayer, okay? That's a hard, whoever made this was setting me up for failure, right? Whatever you have to do, Prepare with prayer. Have a hard conversation. The first thing you should do, pray. Got to talk to your kid. First thing you should do, pray. Conflict resolution with a coworker, pray. Doesn't matter what they do. Does not matter what they do, pray. Conflict resolution at the church, I'm, I'll just say this every time because I, it's eventually going to catch up with me if I don't. I'm not like a, a counselor. I'm not a licensed counselor, right? Every time I do counsel, a conflict resolution with a kid, adult, it doesn't matter, married, not married, pray. Everyone is going to pray because that's how we're going to start this off. You're setting yourself up for success then, saying, hey, God wants this. God wants us to fix this, right? And, and, and here's, here's the kicker. Here's the, here's the strong part with, in verse 2 through 3. It says, continuing steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
at, uh, at the same time, pray also for us. And, and this is the great, uh, the great, everyone should memorize this next verse. It's, just, it's incredible. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, the thanksgiving thing coming back, huh? Uh, let your requests be made known to God. You anxious? Understandable. Pray. It's, it's a really tough line that we have to write as Christians. Stress is a, a normal part of life. Anxiety, in a lot of ways, it's just a normal part of life. Do, do not. What? Right there. See it? Touch it. Scott can't do that. Right? Do not be anxious about anything except for when it's your responsibilities. Do not be anxious about anything. When you have anxieties, fight with them in prayer. Don't be like me who says, I can do it. I'm capable. I'm going to just take the load on my back and move on. Right? I, I, I had a uh, talk with an old student, and that's the stuff that she's dealing with. Super capable people have the hardest time with that. When you are able to do it, are you going to pray? When something is well within your means, are you going to pray? Probably not. Thank you. One person is being honest today. I'm standing up here just confessing how terrible I am, right? Start with prayer, everything, everything. Secondly, perform with purpose. It's not just about prayer, it's how you act too. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Verse 5, right? It's this idea that you, (laughs) folks, I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news. This is absolutely happy Sunday. Do you all know that we're all going to die? You know, like, we, we live in this world that, like, eventually there's this sweet spot where, like, you get kind of used to living, and you think that it's going to just keep happening. And, and subconsciously, we're like, hey, like, I know stuff is hurting, but, like, hey, I'm probably going to be able to have another conversation with this person. This isn't the end. Right? So I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to make the use of every time. Right? Make use of every time. This isn't something that, hey, I could put off for years. Act accordingly. Right? And and the great part of that is that's an act of wisdom. Wisdom in the Bible is a good thing. It's one of the best things that you could possibly do is to act wise, right? And it's saying that's that's walk purposefully. Enter a conversation, walk the Bible term, right? Act with purpose. God has put you in this position for a specific reason. And it's hard to believe it sometimes because you know, there's baby surprises. And there's new employees, and, and they might leave. And, uh, and a lot of things out of our control. And we think subconsciously a lot of times, hey, this is an accident. 
This is just the world being chaotic. There is no chaos with God. Everything is planned. So when you come into that situation and you say, wow, I'm an employee for my boss, for this specific boss, in this specific role, on purpose, you engage work differently than, hey, I just, I, uh, you know, I got hired, there was 200 applicants, and I just got lucky. Very different. You interact with your boss very different if you, if, if, if you just think, hey, I'm just here, and they don't really know me, and I don't really know them. And same for kids, same for spouse, same for anything, Right? Lastly, so prepare, uh, prepare with prayer. I have to say it one more time. Perform with purpose. Speak with smoothness. Whew. It goes wide. Right? Is that what I'm talking about? No. It's not talking about like cool pickup lines and all that stuff. It's saying, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This idea, uh, you know, like sharp people. I, I'm going to keep with this like smooth. Every conversation is just hard. Even like, hey, hi, how are you? It's just sharp. You can almost feel it through text, right? <laughs> like you just, you get the text message, you see the person saying, oh, ow. What's it going to? Seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace. And, and, and here's the cool part. Right? This is absolutely how we treat other people. Our speech influences other people. Of course. What is the reason though? Why does it say it? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Somehow our speech influences us. The reason it's here is not so that we can make other people feel nice. Not because it's a good thing to do. Not because it's going to make their day. And not, all those things are great. Amazing. Shoot a text somebody that you haven't talked to and say, hey, man, just pray for you. Or, you know, all that good stuff. Do all that stuff. But it influences us. That's the reason. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And that's the key. Right, You're not entering a conversation that's hard simply to tear down the person. Because you have to have those conversations. You're not entering in a, 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 a interaction with your kid who needs to get disciplined, a biblical mandate, simply to get out some anger. You're never doing that. It is always, always, always to build them up. Correction removal saying hey you this stuff is not good building up though if you leave a conversation and the other person is torn down get ready because that might be the last conversation you have with that person if you sit there and you just ream them and say hey wow you can't do it blah 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 and it's all these negatives of what they did wrong and not once are you saying, hey, you did this right. You could do this next time. Let's work on it. Let's plan for the future. Let's go. Let's do this together. That's why I like the family meeting so much. 
sure, there's issues. Sure, there's problems. Sure, we have massive gaps, huge gaps, right? COVID has left us with like more open spots than filled spots, honestly, I, th- I think, right? We could sit there for an hour saying how bad of shape everything is in. Or, thank you, look to the future. What's God going to do? Look at six months ago, and look at where we're here now. Where in the world are we going to be in six months from now? Because guess what? You have no idea, and God's going to be doing more. No matter what we say about six months from now, no matter what we say about a year from now, God's going to be doing more. Because he's bigger, he's better, and he's transformed us for change. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. We thank you for the power of, uh, of, of tomorrow, the power of Sunday, the power uh, of who you are, God. That, that, that boxes can't hold you in. No matter how hard we try to limit you, no matter how hard we try to put you in a box, it ain't working. And it, it won't work. We thank you. We need you. We love you. Amen. cool. I want to end in prayer. Memorial Day. Great day. Burgers and hot dogs. A lot of baggage with those hot dogs, though. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you um, for all those. um, All those who served, who paid the price so that we can come and worship. Pray uh, that you comfort the families of those um, couldn't imagine. I pray that you uh, you encourage them, give them honor, let them uh, receive the respect that uh, we are terrible at giving, God. Um, I pray that we can leave here encouraged. I pray that we can leave here uh, with an attitude of wanting to change, Father. Pray this in your glorious an amazing name. Amen. Go with him, guys. Enjoy those hot dogs. <laughs>